PFT Media. Thank you for checking out Scott's Good Conversation. I am your host. My name is Peter. It is storming outside in Orlando, Florida, and sitting across from me on the blue sofa is nobody because stupid fucking coronavirus. But mm-hmm. on the phone with me, all the way from California, is Chris. Sir, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Peter. What is uh, what is the weather like there? Because we are smack dab in the middle of the summer, where it rains pretty much every day, and your internet goes out, and occasionally your power goes <laughs> out, and also there's usually hurricanes stacked up in the either the Gulf or out in the ocean, coming down oh, yeah, to yeah, cause yeah. terror in our world. Is it beautiful there? I bet you, I bet you it's perfect. No hurricanes here. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, no hurricanes. It is. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect here. We get the rainy season um, in the fall, in the winter, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but like during the summer, it'll just be like perfect, super hot summer days. Hot, basically, but not, for like not, not steamy, swamp like humid. Yeah, it's not grossness. exactly. It's exactly. It's the dry heat, which yeah. I was like really psyched on when I first moved here from New Jersey, where mm-hmm. it's like you. You get out of the shower and you're sweating already because of the humidity. That's Florida. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember it's my life. like, yeah, everybody here, like wh- when I first moved, were like, t- everybody that lives here, like Chico natives, were uh, telling me how hot the summers would be. Um, but then when I experienced it, I was like, oh my gosh, I love <laughs> this dry heat. This is the best. Like when you go into the shade, it actually is like five degrees cooler. I, I follow you on Instagram and you you constantly seem to have a sweatshirt on. And I was like, the weather there must be beautiful. Are you keeping are you keeping your that. house like at like 65 or something? Because that don't go I here. Actually, <laughs> good. That's a great question. I, I'm actually glad you asked that because I actually get like people point that out all the time as if it's like extremely weird. And like, I guess it is weird that I wear a hoodie like year round <laughs> uh it's for two reasons though one of them is the fact that i have to keep the studio really cold because all of the equipment yeah, yeah, that yeah. i run yeah yeah all the all the equipment that i run like gets really hot if i don't like if i don't get on top of it with the ac so it'll be like between like 66 oh, and 69 in here. That's perfect. So it like <laughs> yeah. sucks for, I have like two friends though that have been living here with me for uh, quarantine mm-hmm. and like they do not like it cold. So like that, that really sucks for them. But uh, yeah, so like I basically bundle up all the time. But the other reason is that um, I just really love wearing hoodies. I feel just comfortable in them. It's your blanket. And before, it. yeah. yeah before all of this like lockdown stuff, I'd go to the gym every day and, uh, 
after my workout, I would go into the steam room oh, and I would be, I'd be in my full gear, like full hoodie, <laughs> pop- like hoodie. Yeah. You're hoodie popular up. at the gym. <laughs> yeah. Hoodie up, like full, like fully, fully like decked out. And people would be like, are you trying to like, are you training for a fight or something? You wrapped in saran wrap underneath all that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah. How long have you been in but California? I always, I always make the joke that I'm sweating out the demons. How, <laughs> how long have you been in California? <laughs> you don't seem like a demon dude to me. I don't know. You seem well, that's because I, that's because I sweat, sweat out the demons. How long have you been in California? Um, I moved out here in 2003. Okay. So a minute. Yeah. So yeah. I've been out here for a million years now. It feels like, but, and then I, so when I first moved out here, I rented a house. Um, but I really right away loved Chico so much. And I was like, I could totally live here. So the next year I bought a house. So Good I've, I've been in my house um, for over for 16 years this summer, which is pretty pretty. That's a sick. good chunk of your life, man. Like you've been, you've been there. It is yeah, especially it is. for like a guy I, who's been on the road as much as you have. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. What's wild? What's wild too is that um, I only kind of realized this like a few weeks ago that this is the longest stretch at one time that I've been home um, since I since I graduated high school and left for my very first tour of the U.S. I basically a thousand years ago. Uh, I've been talking to a, a lot of musicians lately because uh, a lot of you are available. <laughs> normally people who wouldn't normally have a chance <laughs> to talk to me. So, uh, and that's, that's just it. At the beginning of all this, I'd set up a, uh, an interview with Amanda Kramer from the psychedelic furs. And, Whoa. Yeah. And she's such a charming person. It, it, it was very cool. She, she's, uh, I don't listen to that. I just listened to your Brian Baker episode. Oh man. I was so scared. Did it sound like I was scared? Did, it, did I sound totally nervous? Little. I think you sounded totally normal. Oh, I mean, oh. I don't. That's the only one I've heard so far. So I want to go. I want to dive deep. I was. I'm I was screaming inside. I. I. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, because, quite frankly, man, I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm Joe Punk Rock guy. Like I, I've seen Bad Religion, and I'm aware of Minor Threat. But I. I, I booked him. And then I started doing. I was holy shit. He was in Minor Threat. <laughs> you know oh, that I, guy. I, yeah, that I'm a, guy's a, that guy's an actual legend. He's, like, he's, he was also in this band called Dag Nasty. Dag Nasty. Yeah, he was and, in uh, Junkyard. Was, total different yeah, type like, of band. Yeah, yeah. Dag Nasty is a huge influence on early Saves the Day. And um, a lot of the riffs that I write are like very much influenced by Brian Baker. He's an incredible and cool guitar super player. Super cool, super approachable, totally down to earth. I mean, he, he, it, it was really, really cool as talking to him. Yeah. And, I mean, and, I would uh, never know where to start if I ever met him. Well, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I've, I've done a couple of these, but that one scared the hell out of me. So you said you listened. Uh, yes. These are three things that I know about you. The first thing I know about you is you you started your musical career in a very not rock star kind of way. You played the cello. I did. Yeah, yeah. I started playing cello when I was six years old because it was something that um, our school uh, made you do. Like when we were in first grade, one of the first things that we did that year was they had the uh, like the music instructors come into the classrooms and play all the different instruments for That's us. That's so had, great. Yeah. And you had to like pick one because for that year it was a, it was required that you were in the orchestra. So I, I like, they went through all the instruments and I remember like not liking the way that any of the instruments sound. This is before, this is my first experience with music, you know, like yeah, you're a little kid. 
Yeah, and so like this is my first experience with like instruments being played in front of me, and I didn't, <laughs> I did not like how any of them sounded. Like it was almost like they were grating. <laughs> but then the like especially the violins, I was just like, I don't like this at all. And then they played the cello, and it felt like super comfortable. Like it's I warm. right away, yeah. it was so warm and beautiful. So I was like, I'm doing that one. Yeah. Do you own a cello now? When was the last time you played the cello? I tried to play one maybe like a year and a half ago and like I could make notes happen, but they were really squeaky. It's yeah. the thing you lose is your bow hand. Did you yeah, ever, yeah. have you ever played? No, my wife, my wife plays the violin <laughs> and at the beginning, I like it now. I like it now. I like the violin now. At the beginning <laughs> of all this, uh, we rented a cello and, and by oh, that no. we rented, I mean, she rented one and she fiddled around with it. And, uh, she's one of those people who as a kid, like, she was forced to play also, but it, yeah. somehow it didn't like in her world, she kind of resented that. Oh, so, I did too. so, Oh, see, but you took the ball and ran with it. You know, you, uh, I mean, yeah. I like the, yeah, there was something, something about it that I liked enough, um, where like, I didn't refuse to do it. And my parents really wanted me to, and it was like really cool that our school offered it so it's awesome in hindsight that i got like so much like musical training like super early on and the way they taught us was through the suzuki method which was really cool like they don't they don't let you learn how to read music which would be super easy if you could read it and then play it like i've always wished that i could do that but they when you ask to be able to read learn how to read music they wouldn't let you because they wanted to they wanted suzuki method is all about learning by ear Okay. So like, I'm really psyched on that. Like, ha I, like it was so hard. I remember it was so hard to try to like learn these like classical melodies, like just off these little cassettes that they would send you home with. And I remember it being so frustrating. Like I had no idea what I was doing. You just have to find your way around the neck of the thing, like of the instrument and like find where these notes were. And that was like extremely hard. But now like my ears are so attuned where I can like, I can pretty much hear like what I, what I need to be able to hear to know what's going on. in like most music, which is really cool. What else do you play? And you know, you play guitar and uh, I, I know you're, you wanted to play drums, but apparently your yeah, dad said yeah. it'd be too loud. Uh, I mean, do exactly. you play, do you play a little bit of everything? Cause that sounds like that, that Suzuki thing really like is a foundation for uh, yeah, like yeah. good musicians. Kind of, sort of, it really was kind of, sort of, I can't, I don't think I could play any horns. Like I don't, I don't, but I've, I haven't really tried, but I think that's, that stuff is a lot harder than it looks. Yeah. yeah. I've never, so I've never played horns or like wind instruments, but, um, I, I, and I'm not that good at the piano. I really like wish that I knew the shapes of the chords and stuff like, but my brain thinks best in like the four dimensional realm of the guitar. But, um, I really love playing drums and like later today I'm I'm working on a cover of a song and I'm going to lay down some bass and bass is my, probably my favorite stringed instrument to play. It's just so friggin' fun. Yeah. yeah. It looks fun. I, I'm not, I'm, Oh my gosh. I'm bass one of those guys who I like, want to play an instrument, but can't. Bass you could play. It's no. one note at a time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm not, a, if I haven't no, figured it out by like now, that's no, no disrespect to bass players because like a good bass player is like it's really hard to be like a super gnarly good bass player but it is very easy to just like throw your fingers on there and like make at least one note happen 
You'd be surprised. Well, well tell the kids, because I don't think we mentioned you. Tell, <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I'm not necessarily the best interviewer. Uh, uh, who are you? I mean, what do you do? Tell, tell the kids in case they oh, haven't figured oh. it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm Chris. My name's Chris Conley. I play uh, guitar. Well, I used to play guitar and sing. I still, I'm basically just the singer now of Saves the Day, but I'm a songwriter for Saves the Day, which is like this cool like emo band from back in the day we were like sort of one of the first emo bands along with like the get up kids mm-hmm. to like pretty early on sort of like break through the like basement circuit and like kind of kind of cause uh cause a splash <laughs> in the un- in the underground and um it was like just like really super exciting to like live through live through all that and here i am a thousand years later <laughs> <laughs> Still doing it and like still really, really good friends with the Get Up Kids. And uh, so, like, Matt Pryor and I um, kind of joke about uh, sometimes we'll, we'll like listen to like some like sort of modern emo band. And yeah, yeah. you know, I'll be like, You did that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> they stole that from us, you damn kids. Get off my lawn. That's I, your fault, man. I, I, uh, I remember when your first record came out. Well, uh, through through being cool came out, and I read a review oh, cool, on it. Cool. And I, uh, I'm what are you? You're in your late thirties, mid thirties, correct? I'm forty. You're forty. Okay, so you're my wife's age, more or less. Uh, and I, I, I'm what am I? If you're forty, I, I'm fifty two. So you're I'm twelve. I'm twelve agree, years yeah. older than you, and so I was yeah. in my early thirties and, and I was kind of like trying still to be cool and still trying to, to, you know, <laughs> listen to what the kids were listening to. I read a review of that record and I was just talking to my wife literally minutes before you called, uh, uh, around the corner from where we live now, but we didn't live that we, we lived like four different houses ago. There was a circuit city, like a big box store. Oh, I remember those. And, and I saw your CD <laughs> on, on the, the end cap. And I went, oh yeah, I heard about this band. And you guys look so young. I remember young. that. You, you, I remember being on those end caps. That was a big. That's a deal big thing. For yeah, you. Yeah. For us and Equal Vision Records. I remember that. Yeah, you guys were on an end cap, so I grabbed it, and it, it was in my CD that's deck sick. in my van for for a super long time. Yeah, oh, that's so dope. See, there you go. Like advertisement and placement really matters. Yeah, well, uh, that was the time when good stuff. Cool. That's when good stuff was at the end cap. Now, see, now but there was it, also the um, there was this scandal called 99x where it was like a a label could like ship a box of like let's say a hundred uh mariah or nine a hundred mariah carey cds i think it was and they would they would scan in uh they would put one like aside to be on the in the display when you would walk into the store Uh and they would scan in the 99 as they were entering it into the system as as if it was already sold. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, and then, because before it even sold a single copy, it was like charting well, and so then there would be the reason that would necessitate having even even more uh, ordering more real, yep. real estate yep. on the at the uh, on the uh, whatever in the window of Sam Goody or wherever. And that's why you should shop at small independent record stores. Cause you can ask the yeah. person behind the counter what, what they are into. Oh uh, gosh. Like we in Princeton, we had this record store called the Princeton record exchange. And I would just go there every day after school. And that's exactly what I would do. I'd like ask them 
Like what, what's the cool stuff? Like what, do you, what should I listen to? And what's playing in the literally what's playing, playing yeah, right exactly. now? Yeah, what yeah, is yeah. that? What is that album? And it'd be like archers of loaf and like the swirlies and super chunk and stuff. So I got to hear like lots of incredible and cool indie rock. You grew up at a good time like, for music. You, you really did. Oh Cause you God, caught a little yeah, bit of I the eighties like and, and like, yeah, might've been the best, the best time. Yeah. It, it, it was, especially in the scene you were in, you know, like it was so pure and simple and it harkened back to like the new wave coming out of like the seventies, you know, kind of was a yeah, revolt yeah, against definitely, that, definitely. what was happening, but you were still so influenced by what, what, you know, like your parents had maybe because your parents were probably cooler what they were listening to. And it was a good, a good time. I, I've worked in record stores and I've been around the music industry enough too. I mean, like I said, I, I, I said I was trying to be cool when I, I, I grabbed <laughs> your record, but uh, I, I know my, Sounds, way like around. sounds like you were doing that, doing a good job. I knew my way around. Uh, you got a Patreon going on right now, and, and I know you're busy on it. Where can kids find the Patreon? What do we get, and, and how, how can they help? Yeah, Patreon has been so cool. So if people that don't know what it is, it's basically like a direct way to connect with your fan base and like give them specialized content um, every every month. So, for example, like coming up on August 1st, or I think maybe August 2nd, I'm delivering... A cover, a cover. I do a cover song at the beginning of the month, and then I record um, these things called bug session singles. And saves the day used to do these things called bug sessions, where we would take like old songs and reinterpret them, and usually in like an acoustic setting. And I would track them here at my studio, which is called the Electric Ladybug. And so we'd call them bug sessions, and our fans like really, really loved that. And we would always get um, asked in interviews, like, when are you guys going to revive the bug sessions? So I had the idea, like, oh, shoot, I'm gonna, I should start doing that again for Patreon. So I do one single, one bug session single per month. Um, that, those are just two little things. Like, so then we also have been hanging out with people on Zoom and it's like this little community. Like we've, re I really feel like we all like genuinely like each other. Like we gen genuinely are building like friendships. And whereas like in the past, you you might see people that you've seen a bunch at shows and like be really happy to see them and but and only really have like five or ten minutes at the end of like a really already long night to say hi and stuff. Yeah. But now it's like we will like the last Zoom hangout that we did for for last month. We were all on there for like over an hour and a half, just like talking, just like hanging out. It was like really, really cool. It's really special. But then um, like just uh, yesterday or the day before, our bass player Rodrigo did his cooking show that he does through it. He's like really good cook. He like really loves cooking. So we thought like, hey, let's do like something Rod's super passionate about. His name's Rodrigo Palma. He's like really passionate about um, cooking. So he does this show called Carbs and Calories. We have a song called Cars and Calories, but his <laughs> cooking show is called Carbs and Calories. And like I've watched those and they're like super entertaining, like really entertaining. And like you learn how to make make stuff. And Rod, Rod does like a recipe every month. And then our guitar player Arun does guitar tutorials. And um, he's been uh, putting stems up. So because we, we did the last album at his studio. So he's been putting up stems, and if people don't know what stems I, I are, I was going like, to say, what's what's a stem? I'm, I'm, you're talking over my head. A stem is like a raw audio file. Oh, cool. That's like when when you hear like um like the final recording, a final mix, 
it's like all the instruments mixed into one sound. So you like you hit play on your MP3 and you hit and you hear the song. But so like you don't hear like the guitars separate from the drums. Everything plays at once. But a stem is like you can. So I think one of the first ones he did was just the drum tracks. Cool from a certain song. And then if you're a producer, uh, you can take that and use it however you want. So you can like, you could load that into a new, new session for yourself and like put it under your own song or have fun, like remixing yeah, it, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Cool. And then we've been uploading like, uh, like behind the scenes footage from like years ago with us, like hanging out in the studio and stuff like Rad has a lot of really cool videos and stuff. Um, and then, like, toward the end of the month, like, this coming Friday on the 31st, um, I'm doing an all-request concert just for our Patreon folks. And so, like, that, that's that been really fun, too. Like, and so on Zoom, they really only let you hang out for, like, 40 minutes for that for some reason. But I can't get to all the requests in time. So what we do is we take it we, – we, like, move the party from Zoom over to my personal YouTube page. I'm learning a lot as I go because it's not – my nature it's like i'm really super bad at the internet and like technology and stuff so like i've been learning like oh cool like you can still be connected and like i've actually like been really enjoying it like kind of surprisingly so like based on like who i have been in the past like I'm, i've been super aloof about the internet the entire time it's been happening like i don't do it I, now i'm like oh i kind of get like what it's for <laughs> so we'll move like we'll move over to my youtube which is youtube.com slash c slash christopher lane conley and so over at my youtube we will we'll go on over there we'll keep playing for like another hour and uh that's been just like super super cool so yeah the patreon thing is extremely awesome and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes into it. it's kind of like the most exciting way to get music and like new content to our fans directly like it's the most exciting way that i've ever been able to do that absolutely like, um, so I, it's exciting i've it's got cool. well i've got one for my little scotch and good conversation thing here and oh that's dope and uh basically if you don't know what it is it's it's a way for uh my like my listeners or people who listen to your music to help you out help support you in a time when you're not able to tour you're not able to sell merch and for like a couple bucks a month for literally like less i always say less than a cup of coffee you know you're getting all this this very like behind the scenes kind of stuff and stuff that you normally would never get to know about. And it's true. And it, it is less than you'd spend at Starbucks. It, it helps. <laughs> it helps you. And you know, it makes you feel good. And at the end of the month, you don't even notice it because it gets taken right out. You know, it, I think, uh, I, I don't know, like, uh, what's it like five bucks for the entry level on yours? I think, I, I think I looked at it, you know, and you know, I'm so bad at that. Side it, it's, of it's, things, it's so. a couple bucks and, and you're getting, you know, it, it's billed monthly and it helps the band out or helps my podcast. You know what I got over on my Patreon naked pictures. You guys should do some naked pictures. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See those naked pictures to save today over there. Uh, thing number two, I know about you. Uh, I'm, I'm a little baby meditator. I've been meditating seriously for about a year now. Heck yeah. And, uh, you, on the other hand, are, you're like Buddha, man. You've been doing it since uh, 2015. <laughs> Like this is a huge chunk of your since, life. I've been doing it since two thousand four. Two thousand. I see. I, I actually I said two, I wrote two thousand five on here. I, I tell yeah. the kids why it's important because I don't I don't like to be the poster boy for meditation. 
because I think people think that I'm coming across as like holier than thou or something, but it's made such an astounding effect in my life, especially now in these super duper weird, uncertain times. Yeah, it's wild. I'm, I have consciously had the thought arise recently, like how thankful I am that I got into mindfulness and meditation so long ago because like, it's like now like that this, like if I were to get into it right now, like in all the overwhelming feelings that are going on, it would just be more intense than, and it was like super intense, like to get into it anyway. But the cool thing is it's never too late to start because right away immediately it provides relief. Absolutely. Because like before I learned to uh, meditate or be mindful, I feel like my experience of life was much more claustrophobic and uh, like I had no space at all. I was just like almost like drowning in um, feelings and thoughts and the swirling nature of just like the nightmare, like the <laughs> mental, like the head trip of life itself, you know? Yeah. But through, through mindfulness and meditation, like I was amazed, like I was at a really really bad place um when i learned about it and like basically like i was at such a low state that like my band at the time said yo dude like you need to get some help or we're not going to do the band anymore oh man and yeah i mean it was really really bad and um and so if i could like at that time at that state like that low um feel this like comfort and relief from meditation and it like right away within like within a month of starting to do it like my life had completely changed like like i i refer to it as as like the war was over oh wow because before that you're constantly trying to fight your feelings away like when they don't feel when it doesn't feel good you want it, you're trying to like make it go away um, but that's, uh, it doesn't feel intuitive to that. Like when you open up to the feelings that they would diminish, it feels like you need to like get rid of them. But what's wild is like that never even creates a space for the feelings to actually exist. And so like one of my realizations after was that emotions are, are, are like weather systems. So like, if, if like, if a weather, a pressurized weather system can't like move and breathe, it backs up and you get storms. So like your emotions, your, your emotions are like that too. Like if you don't let yourself breathe into the feeling, it gets backed up and turns into tumors and shit. So it's kind of, it was like really wild to me that like going with the experience was what changed the experience as opposed to like what felt like rational was to like try to stop it like try to get rid of those feelings but i found that going with them for example like one of the early tricks that i learned from this book that i always talk about because it totally saved my life was a book called a path with heart by jack cornfield that's k-o-r-n field um and he had this, there's this really simple technique. The book is filled with really cool, simple techniques, really practical stuff. And it's not really like a spiritually heady book. It feels like just an old friend talking to you. 
But one of the tricks in that that really, really helped me, and it was almost like a lock and key kind of thing, um, was uh, this thing called naming. And so basically, and this is also a technique that I learned from a book called Breathe, You Are Alive by Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, His name is, I think, T-H-I-C-H. N-H-A-T-H-A-N-H, if you want to look him up, really super cool. There was no way I would have spelled that correctly, and I will look it up. Yeah, yeah, super cool Buddhist monk, and uh, my daughter's daughter's grandfather uh, on her her mom's side gave that to me, like when I was really, really at a low, low point, and it was just as I was learning to meditate. But anyway, in both of those books, they talk about this technique where basically you do, it's this simple. Um, you kind of say within yourself, breathing in, I'm aware that, and then you fill in the blank. So breathing in, I'm aware that I feel so overwhelmed right now, or like, or then, and then you do it with, you know, the next moment as you're breathing out, like breathing out, I feel like I'm drowning in my own skin. So that's, that would be like the feeling of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So you could even simplify it, like breathing in, I'm feeling, I'm having that anxiety attack. And then breathing out, I'm having an anxiety attack. Breathing in, I feel like I can't breathe. Breathing out, I might feel my muscles clenched around my bones. But what's insanely wild is like that is the way to start going with your experience. So you're not fighting your experience anymore. You're going with it. So like that's when the like say like the war was over. Yeah. And that was so like that was like 24 years of not knowing how to like process the experience of being a human being, which is a friggin' nightmare in and of itself, you know. But but like you're 24, dude. <laughs> like you're not supposed to know what's going on at 24. Well, you, you know what's, com- what's completely insane to me, like afterwards, like yeah. after all these realizations. Is that we don't just teach kids how to do this? Ah, absolutely. Or, or in prisons or schools or anything. Super, what you sit and you breathe. Super, you know, it, it's it's yeah, very it's very super, simple. Super easy. And yeah. like they, I think there are studies done on schools that do have kids meditate, where like it's 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 shown to like greatly improve their cognitive abilities and and whatnot. But the best thing that it does is it creates space for you to have the experience of being a human being. Absolutely. Which which is a head trip. Like the, the whole uh, noble truths in Buddhism, like the first noble truth is that life is suffering. Like it's just friggin' super hard, you know? And then the second noble truth, like I'm not that good at all all this stuff. Like I'm not t- probably, I might get this wrong in like Jack yeah, Cornfield yeah. if he if you were to hear this, he'd be like, he blew it. But um, <laughs> You're out of the club. <laughs> but yeah, but this, I think the second noble truth is that there's a cause for suffering. Um, and uh, the cause of suffering is trying to get rid of your suffering. Yeah. And then the third one is there's a way out of suffering. And then the fourth one is the, the eightfold path, which is the way out. And that's like right conduct, right speech. And that part I haven't friggin' mastered. Like that part, I'm, that's where I'm at now. You're never like, going to master it, though. That's the thing. As long as you oh, work I, at it. I have a... Oh, I have a serious mission. Like I'm trying to figure this shit out. See, like, I, just, I just want to sleep and not feel like crap. And I, I know. do too. But like, I do too. But like, that kind of leads to further suffering. Yeah. You know. So like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like a given that you're gonna make a bunch of mistakes in life, and like maybe that's kind of just part of part of it. Like part of the the game. You know. But um. But it sucks because it feels like shit. 
But in in the moment of the meditation, all that goes away for me. You know, even if it's, yeah. it's even if it's just you catch yourself in a second going, and and for that, it you know, I usually 15, 20 minutes a day. It's not like you know, I'm, I'm doing hours. I'm not Yoda. You uh, don't have to. No, I think, I, exactly. I think, you know, it, I heard. I think I was the Dalai Lama. I read one quote like right when I was first starting. He said like, "Do ten minutes in the morning and ten minutes at night." I was like, "Cool, I can do that." Yeah, absolutely. Change your world. But then, yeah, I think what's wild is like once you start doing it, it just changes your entire relationship to life itself. Yep. And so, like now, I feel like I'm never not doing. Oh, that, that's that. That's just the thing, and it's so accessible, and it, it's even it, it's if, right there within yourself, and like it gives you space. Whereas, like you're trying to get, you're trying to get away from what's happening, but that lets you be with what's happening, happening. no matter no matter what's happening. It's exactly, the space of the space of your awareness. So I'll it could even be as simple as your awareness of like. Man, I'm really trying to climb out of my skin right now. Like breathing in, I feel squirmy in my own. Like I want to get rid of this feeling. Like that's a good enough place to start. Like start with exactly what's happening, even if it's not good. Um, and that, but going with it will start to change it because the second truth is that trying to get rid of your suffering is what causes more suffering. It's okay. this, it's this wild counterintuitive thing. It's it's super easy. It takes a couple minutes of your life, and there's no getting it wrong. That's that's the big one for me. Is if you sit down and try, you you've done half the battle. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. I do think I do think it's overcomplicated. People go like, I don't know how to meditate. It's like it's really as simple as this for me. Like you pay attention to your breathing. That just means like notice it, and then yep. you pay attention to through that. I became aware of my body. And you notice your body, just what it feels like. I learned a really great trick from Eckhart Tolle's uh, book, A New Earth, where this this trick like totally unlocked some amazing stuff for me, where he just goes like, close your eyes and feel your hand. Not like touch your hand, but feel your hand inside your hand. So like if you close your eyes, like right away I did it. And I noticed that my hand, the sensation of my hand is like this subtle tingling feeling. There's like a, it's like a buzzing, humming, tingling feeling. And then he said, you can take that awareness all over your body. So like you can feel that in your lips, in your ears, your face, your shoulders, your back. It's everywhere. It's on the bottom of your feet. Like that was an amazing thing. And then this whole naming your naming your experience like naming your thoughts so it's really just like paying attention to your breath your body and your like your thoughts your feelings and it's that's it that's all you need thing number three i know about you <laughs> i think we lost half our oh, either we've really enlightened half my listeners or they've gone what the hell is he talking about thing number three i know about you on august uh excuse me on october 12th of last year you played a vinyl copy of can't slow down by by lionel richie I did. Did I? That's <laughs> yes. amazing. Uh, apparently, you did. Yeah. I. Uh, oh my gosh. You own that on vinyl because because I grew up in yeah. high school. That that was, um, I, I think the on the the second side, I think the third song is a song called uh I want to say it's you turn me inside out and that was my high school girlfriend Tight. and I's song 
And, oh, that's amazing. And she picked it for me, and I was very happy that it, it wasn't like a deep cut. Like, it was a deep cut. It wasn't one of the hits, and I thought we were going to be together forever, and she broke up with me. <laughs> but but uh, you own that on vinyl, and why did you play that? I, sure I, I I'm so curious, because I don't even own it, and I, I respect Mr. Ritchie. The, the amount of music that guy's play, uh, written in his life between the Commodores and his single career. Um, have you played it since? Is, is it on your turntable often? No, no, no. Okay, I, good. Mean, I think I must have just like noticed it in this. I ha I got a ton of records from my friend. Um, and they were like, most of them were his dad's records. Okay. That sounds about right. So like, yeah. So like I, like, so our first album can't slow down is, uh, is an actual reference to the Lionel Richie <laughs> album can't slow down, but that was, it wasn't my idea. Like I had never heard that record. Like, I don't even really know that much Lionel Richie. Like I know the dancing on the ceiling song. And Which like, is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. It's not my cup of tea, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, our, our, uh, our first bass player, um, this guy, Sean was like, I feel like can't slow down would be a cool title. <laughs> like the line and he goes like the Lionel Richie album I was, and what? I had no I had no idea I think this guy like Sean was just on like a cool level like he was the guy that suggested the band name and everything so like I don't know he just I, I don't he, he had some sort of connection to uh the cosmos but See, i didn't um, put those two together if you get a chance if you're looking for just like background music just go on to spotify or whatever you use and just and i don't normally do this because i'm a guy who listens to albums i love albums too. but but uh like on a road trip my wife and i will occasionally just put on like an artist and let it scroll through all the songs put on lionel richie because the his catalog he's written so much music for so many people and just yeah. just the hits keep coming and coming so and talented. coming. He must be. He also got like a really cool perspective on life and being a musician. Like he was in Rolling Stone recently and asked about sort of the longevity of his career. Yeah. And um, that was it. Was really fascinating. Like I learned a lot from that. He's worked with a million people too. These are three things. Real quick. Don't overthink this. Don't overcomplicate it. Oh, top of your head. Boom, boom. Fire them off. Top three bands, singers, songwriters, or musical performers in your world as you sit there in California right now. There are no wrong answers. Go. My favorite is the Beatles. Okay. And then I love Jawbreaker. Mm-hmm. And um, I love The Damned. Okay. All right. That's good. Solid. See, no wrong answers. You, you nailed it. And uh, <laughs> I, you came into The Beatles late, right? There, there are a lot of great bands here in Chico, though, so I have a list of them, too. But um, I came into, yeah, I started listening to The Beatles really late. I was 19, actually, and it was like, I, I tell this story. Uh, it was like really cool, like magical moment in my life, especially like, where it led which was this insane obsession with the beatles that has like not faded but only gotten more intense as as i'm even saying this i'm staring at a painting of paul mccartney that i have here in the studio anyway i was like rummaging around in the back of my car for a tape to listen to on the way to a mixing session for our that album through being cool because so i used to have like a box of tapes in my car <laughs> And I was just like reaching behind my the seat to like dig one out, and I pulled out the Beatles, the late era Beatles greatest hits. I think it's the blue tape. Okay, yeah, yeah. Where it's like uh, all the like best songs of their the second half of their career, where they got like really weird. 
And like before that, my experience of the Beatles was very much just like hard days night. And I want to hold your hand, which now I think is like so incredibly well done. But when I was like a punk rock kid, I thought it was lame as hell. Um, (laughs) Like now I realize like those songs are super punky. Like she loves you is like a total punk ripper. Um, But uh, anyway, like, so I like dug it out and I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I'll listen to this. I have no idea how I got in my car. And uh, I, I put it in and like straight away, the song's like, we can work it out. <laughs> and, uh, and, and like jams like that, where I was like, yo, this is dope. And what's cool is um, I had seen the band shelter mm-hmm. really, really cool. Hardcore band. Yeah. Yeah. Shelter. Yeah. Like a, like a, the guys are like Christmas, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They, they're the ones that started the re- record label that were on equal vision records. But um, I had I went up to see them in Connecticut play with this band called Earth Crisis mm-hmm. and the band called 108. And um, Shelter, in the middle of this hardcore uh, show, like there's all these hardcore kids, they started playing this song that was like the heaviest thing I'd ever heard, but it was the most melodic song I had ever heard in my life. And it was this sick cover of We Can Work It Out by the Beatles. <laughs> And like I, that changed my life seeing Shelter play. We can work it out because it was the heaviest, coolest thing I'd ever heard, but it was so friggin' catchy. Um, and I had never really given the Beatles a chance at that point, but I didn't really think twice. I didn't like go out and get all their stuff after that until this tape like surfaced in my car. And so I listened to it all the way to this, the mixing session, which was like maybe 45 minutes, 30 or 40 minutes away from my house. By the time I got to the studio, I was like hooked. I was like, this is the best <laughs> shit I've ever, ever heard in my life. And so I went inside and I very Have you heard of the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> very excitedly told our producer, Steve Evitz, about this rad experience I just had. And he's like, oh my God, dude, that's my favorite band. And so, like, right away, he, Steve, like, from that moment on, like, right when we went to get lunch, like, later that day, we were, I was in his car, and he's playing me all this Beatles stuff that I'd never heard before. That's funny. And, like, showing me showing me how, like, if you turn this, the, uh, like, speakers all the way to the left, yeah, you can it, hear. Yeah, because it's faded, like, there'll be bass and drums yeah, in one channel like, and, and yeah, guitar. Like and, just, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, like, just the background vocals and, like, ride cymbal. And then you turn it all the way to the right, and, like, there's John and Paul singing um and and like maybe a guitar lead and i was just like that's the coolest thing ever like right away it's like so friggin' psycho and the beatles like instantly from zero to a hundred just obsessed with the beatles and he then he told me he's like oh dude you have to get this book the complete beatles and it's like this huge white bible of like all the beatles songs and um with every single instrument written out. So like if you knew how to play horned instrument, like a wind, like if you knew how to play any instrument that was ever on a Beatles record record, you would, they have the, that's the, cool. The, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have the music. Like, so actually wait, so here it is. I'm holding it right now. It's called <laughs> the Beatles, the Beatles complete scores. And this song, this, this book, when I got this book, this basically like, became my musical education because before then I was like, like I had grown up playing cello, but like never like learned how to make my own music. I was always playing like other people's compositions. Then when I got to the guitar, like cello is only one, basically just one note at a time. So like when I got to the guitar, 
uh, like I was, I, I didn't, I didn't take lessons. I taught myself. So I was very much just like putting very simple stuff together on the guitar, like power chords and then sort of stretching out from there. But like, I didn't know anything about the guitar, like how to build chords or anything like that. So I kind of learned everything from this book, the Beatles complete scores. Uh, yeah, like if I had pulled out a different tape, you know, and it was like it could have gone horribly hand, wrong. It was like candle box or somebody <laughs> had left some somebody had left some crappy grunge tape in there, like it would have been a different story. Um, thing number two, real quick, and and uh, think about uh, something that. Uh, normally the world doesn't know about like we're, we're, we're looking for something that you endorse it could be like a restaurant near town that that doesn't get enough credit like an independent record uh, um, restaurant or a particular shaving brand you use or a guitar maker something that you endorse that the world needs to know about going to get a free plug here on my very powerful podcast i'm just i think i might just broken record it and go with uh People really should get that book, A Path with Heart. I'll put links in the show notes. Thing oh, and then another another one just really quick that actually dawned on me when I had a second to think about it. This is surprising that people don't like realize how powerful this is, but spending time in nature. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, is like really incredibly important. Like I, one of my lowest like points, um, this that therapist that like my band found me this Buddhist therapist that like they were like when they were like no more band or you, you got to get help or no more band they found me this rad Buddhist therapist and like one day I was like really not doing well and sort of completely unrelated to what I was talking about he goes you should go to the park like totally had nothing to do with what I was going I was almost kind of chapped about it at the time I was like no dude like wait a second like we're t we gotta talk about this other shit <laughs> but he's like no it's there for you like go to the park and uh and so i just started going like religiously and like sure enough within a month of doing that i started to notice like this calming presence and i started to realize like oh my gosh na nature is like is hel helps you to have perspective and you're also getting like a fresh hit of oxygen. Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. like right to the dome. It's bigger than anything you got going on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and and that's just the other like side part of that is breathing. Yep. Nobody, nobody gives breathing enough. I, I say it at like, the end of every podcast. Remember to breathe. I'm back in that. If 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 you can breathe a breath in and breathe it out, boom, that's half the battle you got going on in your life. When you can't do that, 100%. that's a problem. That is a problem. I actually read yeah. uh, recently that like, or I heard this on NPR actually. Like, there's a study done about um, if you. It's, it's said to be really good for your system uh, if you breathe in for five seconds and breathe out for five seconds. So they were recommending, like, there's some, like, uh, Catholic um, prayer or something that lasts five seconds. I can't remember that one because I'm not, like, that yeah, yeah, yeah. well-versed in that stuff. But the other one that they said they found it has an incredible effect on people's, like, not only their psyche, but... There's their sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems was if you say the Buddhist like meditation or mantra, I'm not sure how what to call it, Om Mani Padme Hum, which I think is like considered to contain all of the wisdom of Buddhism in that one phrase. And it also takes about five seconds to say to yourself. But what's really wild, like I had my do my daughter's dog, Harley, died like, oh. a week, couple, couple weeks ago. Oh, and I'm um, so sorry. 
It, yeah, thank you. It's it happens. It was like really tough. She's just getting really old. She had congestive heart failure and stuff. But so the, I was like sleeping out in the studio with her um, to like keep an eye on her if she needed me in the night. And like we have yeah. these long hallways in the house, but my studio is like a bungalow. It's easier for her to get around. Anyway, in the middle of the night, this is the night that she died. She she I woke up and she was like clicking around the studio, like frantic, like freaking out. I picked her up and her heart was like going crazy so like i realized she was in the middle of a heart yeah, attack yeah um and so and i'm not i'm saying all this like this is a it's it's okay yeah um but so she's a shih tzu and i remember hearing that shih tzus were like originally bred to be companions for llamas in tibet like the dalai lama like llamas mm-hmm. these spiritual dudes and They're so not the they animals. like yeah yeah, so, like, they were, like, these companions of llamas. And so right away, for like, thank God my brain thought, okay, let's just start chanting Om Mane Padme Hum. And I just started chanting it, and it was the wildest thing. She went from, like, having, literally having a heart attack mm-hmm. to five seconds later, completely calming down, sitting there with me, completely still, and almost, like, poised as if she was, like, you know how those dogs, those like really gnarly, well-trained dogs, will like sit right next to a throne or something. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, like they look like they're a statue. Like she just sat there as if like something in her DNA, like knew, like Om Mani Padme Hum. She like felt it. And so I just sat there with her and just like, and then I noticed like, because I was really scared too. I noticed like, wow, like it calmed me down. So. It probably couldn't both you down because, I mean, she was probably yeah, exactly. in the midst of it and just needed someone or something to, yeah. to touch yeah, her. And and, yeah. And, and I had, I had heard also that NPR story, like not that long before about how if you, it said that if you breathe in for long enough to say, Om Mane Padme Hum, it's like really good for your nervous system. So I was just like, cool. Like, let me get, you know, let me just do it. And it worked. It was like completely wild. So. Om Mane Padme Hum. And I think what it means is the jewel is in the lotus. Ooh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, third thing. Uh, it was As a younger man, but you've been all over the world, you, you've led the rock star life. Now you have your place and your studio and you, 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 you're you at one with the universe, kind of, but working on it. Uh, <laughs> just like me, it. you're working on it. You, I got news for you. You're never going to be totally at one, but as long as you, you have moments well, when you feel like one- it. That's because the one thing is two. Yeah. Um, what's, unity, what, is a, uni, unity is a multiplicity. I think you just answered the question. What's, I was going to say, what's one life tip you can give your new friend, Peter? Because I feel like we're buddies now. What's one Heck life yeah. tip that, that you can give me to make my life better? Give yourself a break. <laughs> <laughs> I give myself so many breaks. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> I, I give I myself totally, too many breaks. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes I read recently was... Um, if you haven't learned how to do absolutely nothing on an absolutely perfect afternoon, you haven't learned to live yet. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm on my like way. I, I'm, yeah. And then it's like, you're not defined. Your self-worth is not defined by your productivity or the things you have or the, the yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'm, I, it took me a long time to get there and I'm, again, I'm, I'm aware I'll never be perfect, but I, I've, uh, in the midst of this coronavirus thing, I, I've really mastered the art of sitting in a hammock and reading 
<laughs> yeah, re yeah, it's so great. I, oh my um, gosh, I, hammock life. Hammock so life tight. is a, has been an ongoing theme in, for the last couple of podcasts. That's rad. That and the fact that I got my medical marijuana license here in Florida. So the, those two oh, things wow. sort hey, of go hand in. Thanks. Man. Yeah, you know, I had they to take, sure had to take a little test. Had to uh, talk to somebody for a little while. Had to had to go visit a doctor. But uh, yeah, I think that's gonna totally help. <laughs> Change my life a little. Yeah. Uh, you were assigned a task to ask me two questions. Now's your chance to ask me the first and only the first of those questions, please. And thank you. So uh, it's sli slightly weird, but it's friendly. I was going to ask, how are you liking being alive? I'm, I'm uh, optimistic. <laughs> I, uh, I I'm, I'm very lucky and I'm very fortunate that my life has had little to no adversity. Like I, it's, I, I mean, I've had people die and I've had heartache and, you know, I've been fired more times than like from jobs than I have fingers on both hands. And, uh, but I, you know, I've, I've, I'm healthy. I've got all my teeth. I've got, I got an amazing partner in life who, who, who keeps me in check and takes care of me and lets me take care of her when, when she needs it, you know, and, uh, my, my father passed away. My mother's still alive and my father, you know, it was his time. Like it was, you know, hmm. did I want him around more? Yes, but he had to go. You know, it's part of the gig. You sound I, like you have a really great disposition and, an, and a great outlook. I'm, 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 I'm blessed. I'm, I'm super fortunate. You know, we, we have what we need. We don't aspire to have things we don't need. Like, you know, we're, we have our own home. You know, it, it's, it's small, but you know, it. There's only the two of us. We don't have any kids. So I kind of wonder too sometimes, like if if our disposition, like if our our state of mind contributes to the outcome of our life. So I kind of wonder if the reason that you haven't had too too much, you know, traumatic adversity is because of your point of view. I think so. I mean, I I was surrounded by good people. Like I, I, yeah, me too. Me too. Growing up. And then I met the world and I was like, damn, <laughs> I love those people. They take care of me. The funny thing is when you're, when you're growing up, those people, you, they're, you're annoyed by them and you're angry and you think they're wrong, <laughs> you know, and, and how, how you know what's best for me. Like I, I did yeah. all that. Like I, and, and I, we, we toyed with the idea of having kids and I, I just didn't think I was the man for the job. And I think I, I, Sometimes I, I still don't, I don't, I'm glad I've never had children. I, I'd be a crummy father. I'm too, I'm too self-involved. I'm too childlike myself. I, uh, but I, at least I think I could have done that angle where like, Hey kid, you know, you do, you make good decisions. You do, you, you know, we're back you. And I, I, I don't pretend to know what it's like to raise a child. Never. I, I never give out parenting advice. I, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I don't, I can't, I, I'm not qualified. You know, I, yeah. I, and, uh, like we're right now, Florida's really fucking up this whole coronavirus thing. Like, like mm. we are, we are screwed here. Um, yeah. and we're in the process, the, the state's in the process trying to figure out when to open schools. Yeah. And, and I mean, we just broke another record with like, um, uh, Sunday, oh I think we, we broke another record. Like we just keep having more and more people get infected. It just, it's oh. not, it's not going away and they want to open wow. schools and I have an opinion on it, but I just keep it to my fucking self. You know, I don't, I don't have kids. I don't have a card in this game. You know, yeah. I, I have a godson and I know how his God, his godparents feel, you know, and I have friends who have children, but I don't, 
it's my life is it's a tough yeah it's a really tough like that's a tough issue like my daughter really wants to go back to school she's she's going to be a sophomore in high school oh, yeah, it's so like, important that, that's such a that's such an important time in her life yeah they're so like bummed that they like missed even like the last few months of their freshman year yeah you know high school's like they they love their school and stuff and they don't get to see each other now and so it's like you know she they all really are crossing their fingers that they get to go back to school and then like i'm like just like we're gonna have to do what is the safest thing yeah yeah it's um only- and it's just like like the only like the only thing that makes it like slightly more bearable is that like it's worldwide like everybody's it's not just their school it's yep. like it is a worldwide uh, conundrum, and that's putting it lightly. Are are you cool, Dad? I mean, I read a little blog you did about like a day in your life. Heck it, yeah, uh, I think I'm I think I'm a cool dad. I don't know. Don't does know she think cool you're she, cool though? That's the question. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how cool she thinks I am, but like her friends think I'm cool. Yeah. Like they. Yeah, your like dad's they, a rock star. Um, yeah, like they were all like, I went up front, like they had a hangout here, like they did like a responsible um, picnic yeah, at yeah. a park nearby, and then like I let the kids come back here and hang out at my house like all day on Saturday, mm-hmm. and uh, I went up there like at the end of the night to like drive two of the kids home, and they had this box of um, Good Dye Young, which is the hair dye that Haley Williams <laughs> does, uh-huh. op- open. And I was like, oh, do you got, are you guys playing with the, like, doing some hair dye? And they, like, showed me, like, a couple little, like, pieces of their hair that, that they did. And I'm, like, crossing my fingers. It's cool with their parents. They didn't even let me know. They just went for it. was just in the, in the back room of your but house. It, yeah, yeah. But I was, like, I told her, her friends, I was, like, Haley Williams sent that box of all of her hair dye for Luella. And they were like, are you serious? Like, hey, you are Haley cool, Williams? Yeah. Like Haley Williams sent you that hair dye. And Lou was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't mean to brag. Yeah. So then they were like, you know, Haley Williams. And so like that made me look cool to them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So yeah, I, uh, I, I have a nephew, but I'm, but I'm chill. I'm, I'm also chill. Like, as long as they're not doing anything like, that's like bad, you know, I'm just like, you guys can be yourselves here. Yeah. I, it, it, it must be difficult. And, and I guess, you know, every, they're good kids though. So it's easy. Yeah. They're every, really good kids. Every generation's got their shit that, that they go through, you know, and, and some of the shit's bigger and some of it's smaller and, and you know, and, uh, yeah, you know, I and, certainly feel for this generation. Oh, of it, like it, it breaks my heart, you know, it's and, like, wow, this is gnarly. Uh, I'm going to ask you some questions. Uh, question number one for you: If you could do one do-over in your life, you get one. What is it, and and uh, why? Huh? I mean, it's a good question because you wind up learning from it, all the mistakes. So it's like you can't like have the lesson learned without yeah like blowing it yeah. But I mean, like I'm, I guess like. Um, gosh, it's a really hard question. Like, I really don't think I would change anything. Oh, but that's the right I answer. Think, that's the right, you, you made the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just because of like, I really like, like, yeah, just like what I said, like you wind up learning from, you wind up having this whole new set of like experiences because of, you know, the stuff that you messed up. 
Ideally, you do. Not everybody does. That's that's the problem. You well, that's do. True. That's like yeah. That's my goal. That's yeah. My goal is to try not to like continually keep messing up. In a perfect world, you learn from mistakes and you don't do them again. But many people don't. You know? Okay, that's maybe that's what I need to work on. Is I need to perfect the art of learning from my mistakes so I don't <laughs> keep just keep making them. Oh, you're a human, man. You got to cut yourself. You yeah. told me, like, I, I hey, need to give myself you, a break. Thank you. you. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate that. You've done Thanks, a dude. lot with your life <laughs> that, that a, a, a good chunk of probably you had a lot of friends in school who were in bands, and you, you do what you want to do for a living. I do. I'm very lucky. You know, extremely lucky. And, and, you know, when you're, you, you've got your health and you're living in a cool place and you got a cool kid, and, and you know, and some people, and, and that's it's fortunate man like it, it's uh I'm, thank you well thank you well sometimes and I, I, i'm sure you're aware of that but i think sometimes people need to be reminded of that you know yeah. i uh I, again I, to answer your question earlier like i i had i had great parents you know and i i had yeah I, me too me i too. had great role models and you know i had a good brother and i grew up i mean i grew up in church and i mean i'm not part of that organization any longer but it taught me you know good values i was a member yeah. of the boy scouts and I, I took the things the good things that i needed to take from those things and kind of dis you know kind of push the stuff that didn't work for me to the side yeah i think that's great you know, i mean you got to know how to like do this right yeah you know, I, 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 it's easy to <laughs> it's easy to mess no up. I, i'm fucking it up left and right uh thing number two for you and i don't normally Same. i <laughs> I'm, i don't normally write questions but I wrote this one for you, and this happened uh, about a week and a half ago. When my wife and I first got together, we went to uh, like a comic book convention. We're not even those people. Like, I'm not a comic book yeah. guy, but it was something to do. I think I got free tickets. And uh, uh, we picked up some collector's McDonald's plastic plates. And we're again, we're not really these people like we <laughs> we're not we don't we're not. Oh, our, our house is very minimalistic. We don't like. The one thing that I have a lot of, I don't even have a lot of them, is albums. Uh, but everything's oh, yeah. everything's like everything has its place. It's very streamlined. A dragon could make its way through my house and not knock anything over. <laughs> but Dang, but we had awesome. we had these stupid McDonald's plates, and we've had them since 1996. And, and a couple days ago, one broke. Oh. And I was shattered and my wife was like, Oh, I'm sorry. And, and she could say, she could see, you know, I don't think under normal circumstances, I, I, I would have took it so hard stuff breaks, you know, screws fall oh, out yeah. all the time. I, oh, I, mementos are so important. I, you know, we don't I even use it. I, I don't even know why it was out, but it, it, it's it, the sentimentality. It, it broke, and she's like, "What are you gonna do? Are you gonna fix it?" And I'm like, oh, "I'm gonna throw it away." <laughs> you know, and and it was that quick. And then I caught myself saying that, and I had a struggle to throw it in the garbage. Yeah. What yeah. did I do the right thing? I think so. I think it's out with the old. Good. I think. Uh, see, I, so I I said, you know, it's broken. It, it doesn't serve. It a would purpose. be hard for me. Like I have like pieces. Uh, like right now, I'm looking at this uh, thing Luella made. My daughter's name is Luella. That she made me when she was like in kindergarten for oh. for Valentine Valentine's Day. And it's like this plaster pink heart and her handprint painted oh. in like she like a mold of her hands like. So like I can touch it oh, and yeah, like yeah. feel feel what her, her tiny little teeny little hand, hand yeah yeah what her little tiny hand was like all the way back then and if that shattered yeah I would be sh I would be shattered for sure but I but I also like really tried to like remember that like life is 
headed in the right direction. Like yeah. the things that the things that happen are the things that maybe maybe need to happen or 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 happen for or they're, I'm like or, or they're I'm going to happen for a reason they're going to happen you yeah, know yeah, you just like you just try to this, try to prepare it the best you can well, yeah I, it's almost like um i feel like there's some buddhist thing where like when you get when you have that precious cup or whatever the cup is already broken ooh heavy in I, the I, future i used to uh in, in before i did this i used to sell vintage menswear that was my, I, and I used to spend a That's lot of time. It, it was fun. And I used to spend a lot of time at, at like thrift stores. And a, oh, I love it, dude. I love it. And That's I used to go. That's my vibe. I used to go to estate sales a lot. Oh, I love estate sales. And I would get very sad <laughs> because mm. a, a lot of times it was somebody who died. Yeah, and, and you, I think that's when an estate sale is, right? Yeah, not all the time. Like sometimes it's people oh. moving, but uh, oh, most cool, of the time cool, it's cool. somebody who died. And I... At the level I was doing, I mean, I was doing it for a living. I was selling vintage menswear, and that's really cool. I called it. I like that. I called it dude stuff. You know, like uh, <laughs> like stuff that you you would see, like probably in your studio or in my little man cave studio. Yeah, I here. was just gonna say I have lots of stuff from an estate sale that here in the here in the studio. And I used to start digging around, and like I, I'd pick up a book, and maybe like a, a bookmark of a photograph would fall out. I love that. Yeah, I know, but it's that meant something to somebody. And if I don't buy it, it's going to wind up in the trash. It, I don't know I these mean, people. Eventually, it, eventually that's it just all. it. It all, some, I, I, I joke with my wife at some point, you know, I'm going to die and you're, you're going to move on with your life and I just, just the, sell all this garbage, you know? The, and, thing, the thing that's inexhaustible is the spirit of what, the spirit that animates the world, the spirit that like the energy that animates the world is inexhaustible. And actually from this estate sale, the one that I, where I got a bunch of stuff for the studio, I had this like kind of life changing experience where I was, I was uh, drawn to this, this thing that's like a white plaster cornucopia uh -huh. and it has like kind of has like dragon it has dragons on the side oops it has dragons on the side and i'll never forget the guy whose mom died said do you know what a cornucopia is and i was like yeah i do um and like a cornucopia represents the sort of like everlasting renewal of uh -huh. life like you know, so it's like to it's and you you used to use it like during the time of like Thanksgiving, which is during the fall when things are dying. But you you use that to like put all put the harvest in the cornucopia as a way to remember, like, don't worry that all the trees are dying right now. They'll come back in the spring. So I feel like and so that cornucopia, that moment where he was like, Do you know what this is? It like really stuck with me because I felt like what he was saying was like, think about it think about what a cornucopia represents. And like, for me, that that stuck with me in a way where like, that's how I feel about life. It I, is a corn. It is a cornucopia. I like it. I dig it. Um, yeah. your second question to me, please, sir. Okay. So this is an existential one. Uh -oh. What do you think it would be like if life did not exist? nothingness i mean i like human life exactly. or, or life in general existence if yeah. there was no thing if oh. there was no thing it would, it would be nothingness it would be vast so no, and, nothingness so like 
imagine what imagine that i can't wrap my head around that on at any level i you know um I, isn't that interesting yeah i it, asked that for a particular reason but i'll illustrate why i asked hit, that hit me please i'm curious a dream that uh my old friend ted alexander used to be in saves that they had one night and he told me about it and it was like it stuck with me so in his dream he was on this all white like mothership and like an alien like a spaceship and and in the room was this sort of like mother goddess figure dressed in all white surrounded by like 10 like a dozen kids like all these little kids like toddlers like three-year-olds like running around her and like playing and tumbling over one another all right and he and he like walked up to her and he asked her why is there life and she said what would it be like if there weren't life you saves the day guys are very deep. Like, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, we get we get extremely weird. Ted and I were like, we lived together for a long time. Like we were we were there, man, head to head. Yeah, I um, that that's 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 a, that might be the most heavy thing anybody has ever asked me. I. I don't know because I I think of also think about perception and my idea of what the universe is like and your idea of what the universe is like could be two entirely different things, you know. And that's true. And that's I, true. And I, mean, I dig I that. As long as yeah, we, I I do too. As long as we are like we can, we have language to like talk about it, yep. it kind of doesn't matter if my red is your green. Yep, exactly. You know, and it's all about perception. That'd and, be extremely hard to coordinate if like the word my word for red was somehow your experience of green but it was like the different word for the same color like that'd be I, uh, that'd be a, there was a, a lot of information to have to catalog if you were like in charge of the manifestation of matter there was an interesting 80s film uh, with eric stoltz in it and i think Cher is in it and uh sam elliott i believe uh it's called mask and he, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh he's got a, a He's a the face. Yeah, he's 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 not a handsome man. And and depends uh, on yeah, yeah. On again, it's about perception. He, <laughs> he, it is in the eye. And, and yeah. he he goes to a camp because he can't like really kind of hang out in a normal society. And he goes to a camp with a bunch of blind kids. And some girl oh, falls falls tight. falls in love with his personality. Oh man, that's rad as hell. And he's explaining colors to her because she's never seen it. And wow. So he he takes a bunch of cotton balls and puts it in her hand and says, "This is white." And, Whoa, and, that's so sick! I'm watching that. He takes grass and puts it in her hand and, and he says, "This is green." And wow. then he he uh, I think he runs cold water over her hands and, and says, "You know, this is this is blue." And he takes, wow. it, I remember the scene, like he takes a hot egg and like just out of boiling water and says, <laughs> this is red. And she throws it across the room. Oh and, my gosh. Amazing. And, and I, I like, I, I think about that when I think about that's perception. And, and, did you say neato? Yeah, that's neato. <laughs> that is neato. <laughs> I like you. I haven't heard neato in a while. Are, oh, yeah. are, they, are the children saying neato? Oh, I'm so old-fashioned. I say a bunch of weird shit. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I've been trying to bring back. Keen. They definitely don't. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, keen. I like keen, that. Yeah. Uh, I'm keen on that. I'm way keen on that. <laughs> keen is neato. Anyway, yeah. I, I, to answer your question, uh, I don't know. I, I think it would be a vast nothingness, and uh, it wouldn't be as it's much. It's almost like one of those Zen koans. You know, it's just like something designed to sort of make your mind 
think about what's actually going on. I see. I'm trying to shut my mind off. That that's where I am. I, my mind is thinking about shit Word. too much. Yeah, I, I am. Word. Yeah, just trying to dial it back just for a second. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> We're gonna do a commercial. We go into commercials with music. If you'd like your music played on Scotch and Good Conversation, email me over at Scotch and Good Conversation at gmail.com. If it doesn't suck, I will play it. This is a band that uh, I, I just got in contact with and their name of the band is called the sermon and they got a big explanation point at the end and i dig this kind of loungy keyboardy jimmy smithy kind of mm, uh cool. vibe this song is boiled converse Red Light, Red Light Beer Parlor is Central Florida's home for craft beer. Award-winning in-house brews, hundreds of bottles and cans, all available to you to go and bring home and enjoy. They are located at 2810 Kareen Drive. Swing by today, grab something, give them a follow on social media to see what's up, and support local Red Light, Red Light Beer Parlor. Got a business? Looking to advertise? How about Scotch and Good Conversation, Dinner and Good Conversation, or both? Email us over at scotchandgoodconversation at gmail.com or give us a call 407 446 4955. Have you been injured on the go? Remember, just call Mo. We are back. This section of the show is brought to you by me. You should check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash scotch and good conversation. Go over there, look around. There's some, uh, some updates that you can look, even if you're not, not a patron. And uh, there are some that you have to pay a couple bucks for. There are blogs, there's some videos, there's some behind the scenes stuff. You get, you get to see who I've invited on the show and maybe they said no, or my interactions with them. When I, when people are back allowed back into Rosalind, I'm going to be doing some video and you, you pay a little less than a cup of coffee a month and it helps me keep the lights on over here in, in Scotch and Good Conversation. It's patreon.com slash Scotch and Good Conversation. I update almost daily. Every couple of days, I'm throwing something up there. What else That's we got? Um, oh, we're also sponsored by Compass Box Whiskey. And I, I don't know if you're a whiskey guy or like a Scotch guy, but this is the company that I wanted. It's it's my favorite mm. brand of Scotch. They're making blends, and I know some people niche niche on blends, but they are changing the face of Scotch. They're doing it in, in a style where the the people who the powers to be of Scotch are going. Well, you can't you can't age in that wood, <laughs> and they're they're going. No, we can. Yeah, break the rules, baby. It, it, it's a little bit punk rock what they're doing. Go to your local liquor That's store sick. and look up uh, 
compass box whiskey. Ask if they don't have it, make them get it. And there's price points. Yeah, I think you can get a bottle for like 35 bucks and upwards of, you know, a lot of money. And everything's equally delicious. Compass box whiskey. And also I got a button sponsor. Like if you need buttons for your band, like if Saves the Day needs a bunch of buttons. Um, Heck yeah. My button guy is your button guy. That's the name of his company. There's two ways to get a hold of him. He's on Instagram. He's on Facebook. He doesn't have a website. He doesn't have an email address. Just uh, go on either one of those platforms. Look up your button guy. He is inexpensive. He is very, very nice. He is very reliable and he's a good dude and he's local here in Orlando. Your button guy is my button guy. Uh, This is a voicemail and you can leave me and by me, I mean, Scott's a good conversation, a voicemail at 407 four four six four nine five five you can text me if if leaving a voicemail is not your thing or you can email us over at scotch a good conversation at gmail.com i love voicemails because you can actually get your voice heard on the podcast give me a call if it doesn't suck i will play it this is a voicemail actually from a friend and a big fan of yours chris uh this is this my buddy his name is rocky and he does a podcast here in town called what's the fuss hopefully you can hear this uh i'm gonna play it now peter how are you sweetheart I hope this voicemail finds you well. You never call me. Um, anyways, I was listening to your Brian Baker interview. Uh, loved it. You're such a nerd, such a punk rock nerd, and it's so cool. Um, speaking of punk rock royalty, uh, with over two decades in the business, Chris Conley, you are a masterpiece, and I have to say that I'm a huge, huge fan. Uh, you're an absolute in the pop punk, Ebo, indie community. Um, and I've seen you live. Uh, I've been a fan of yours for over 20 years now. Here's my question. Kind of a two-parter. Um, you talked briefly about your switch up, um, of styles in the early years of your career. And I was hoping you could kind of expand on making that decision. And if it caused any major rifts, um, if the transition, uh, from touring with bands like Bane, to other genres was a tour since you were kind of ahead of the curve, uh, just things like that. Um, you know, how did that come about? And, uh, was it a pain in the butt basically? (laughs) Um, I love you so much. Thank you. Talk to you soon, Peter. Did you get that? Wow. That was so sweet. Rocky's a good guy and he's a, he is a, a a sweetheart of a dude. He, uh, He's thank you, Rocky. In the, thank you, Rocky. In the local podcast community, he's I call them uh, over at What's the Fuss podcast, the bad boys of podcasting. They like to mix it up, and, and but I also know he's a huge music. He called me a nerd. He's a music nerd on ten. So he's he's looking huh. to find out about like your switch up kind of early in your career into what you guys uh, did a little later on, and did that cause any reps? I think you heard a little bit of it. Do you care to yeah. expand on that? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me, like, to hear people's take on it because, like, from my experience, like, every single Saves the Day record is completely different from the next, including the two, like, most popular albums, Through Being Cool and Stay What You Are. Like, those, that sounds like two different bands. Um, and um, if you go from Can't Slow, our first album, Can't Slow Down, to Through Being Cool, that's obviously, like, a massive leap. <laughs> and then from stay what you are to in reverie, that's like a huge leap. And then like after in reverie, I feel like I sort of like um, started to incorporate a lot of different, a lot of the different styles that I have been doing, like into like 
what I really, really felt like what saves the day is. Um, so, but if you go back before can't slow down to like our demo tape, even the demo tape to the album, there's like a, a tremendous leap from the demo tape to the album. And before the demo tape, before we were called saves the day, it was completely different. It was more like uh, punk rock. It was not like melodic hardcore at all. And before that, going back, this is me and my friend Brian Newman. Like we're the for only original members of Saves the Day. It's been like a revolving door <laughs> since day one. Um, before that, we sounded a lot like um, Sunny Day Real Estate and nice. Smashing Pump, Smashing Pumpkins. And so, like um, the entire time, we were just growing and changing and evolving. And then, like as soon as I hear the Beatles, like. <laughs> mind blown yeah yeah exactly and then like got into the beach boys and stuff and then i got into the pixies and um stevie wonder and david bowie and stuff and you just, were like, growing you were expanding yeah and yeah that's and good. so like within the band there was everybody was always just super psyched like in the band every member of the band has always has always been extremely excited about the new music. Otherwise, why would they be in the band? Yeah, absolutely. If, if you're not um, changing it up, you're, it gets stagnant so and like, boring. And like we were, shows. we were, yeah, we were like so excited about in reverie, which is the one where people really think that we changed a lot. If you listen to like all the records in a row, you like really hear that the band has never stopped evolving. Um, but also like, I like to like remind people that there's like on each record, there's also songs that allude to the evolution that is to come. For example, um, like on through being cool, there are songs like my sweet fracture, um, which sounds a lot more like a stay what you are song than like all star me or like shoulder to the wheel. And there's like nothing on Stay What You Are that sounds like Shoulder to the Wheel at all. Maybe the song See You. But um, on, this, on the album Stay What You Are, the songs like Freakish and Nightingale and Cars and Calories and This Is Not an Exit, well, all those songs could have been on In Reverie, which is the next album after that. And so then, then there are songs on In Reverie, um, like Anywhere With You and Where Are You, and um, let's say even tomorrow too late, that sound to me like the next album, Sound the Alarm. And so there are songs like all along the way, there are songs that are sort of like hinting at the future. And like, so I wrote like a bunch of the songs for In Reverie while we were recording Stay What You Are. They were like coming to me while we were in the studio. Given the song, the song Monkey from In Reverie and the song Tomorrow Too Late almost made it onto Stay What You Are. And so then, but then there's songs like um, on Sound the Alarm uh, that were going to be on In Reverie. Like the song Delusional was written for In Reverie. The song Shattered was written for In Reverie, but didn't come out till the next, till the next album. So it's not as if, sitting there consciously for each record going like, Oh, let's do something brand new. It was just this like steady, um, slow evolution. And it was all, it was all like basically revolving around me growing as a songwriter and as a guitar player and as a lyricist. Just and a like, human, you were growing as a human also. As like, a that, human. As a hum it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. In terms of like the rift, that would have been like with our fan base. Like our diehard fans never went anywhere. Um, they're like down for the ride. And, yeah. You know, they're for like, I think they're probably more curious what each album sounds like and they might have their favorites, but like they're, they're like, they're open, you know, to the change and stuff. But um, I think the rift would be like, you know, like so a lot of people when we changed from like can't slow down to through being cool, we're like, Oh, they're selling out. <laughs> I remember it. Like they slowed down, you know, can't slow down. Then they slowed down. What's that all about? And, uh, and then like from can't slow down to through being, uh, from through being cool to stay what you are. It was like his voice changed. And then, and then on when in reverie came out, they were like, uh, this sounds totally different, but what had happened was that I wasn't angsty anymore. So like, just what you're saying, I was growing as a human being. Yep. And so like, I didn't have anything to complain about per se, the way that I did when I was like feeling really angsty at that point, I was just like really kind of sad and like longing for peace. And like, I had, my eyes had opened to like the spiritual dimension of life. So then after this like near death experience that we had had, um, where like all, and so all of a sudden also on stay what you are out of through being cool, people are like, holy shit, this is like really dark. What year was, only, was the, the accident? You guys got into like a pretty like, yeah, we got into like a gnarly accident. It was a near death experience. And that was like in 2000, we were on tour with the band H2O mm -hmm. and, um, the album had come out in late 99 and I think we were on tour with H2O in March. And so. Yeah, so it was like I, we hit black ice and flipped and stuff. And like it was a gnarly experience. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a near death experience. I've hydroplaned. I've never, I live in Florida. The hydroplaning yeah. is your black ice. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Hate, I hate that feeling. Yeah. There, there's, um, you might as well not like, steer. You just go with it. It was really, yeah. like, really, really scary. And so, like, you can't just go back to normal life and be like, oh, cool. Like, balloons and you know like, especially just doing what you do getting in a car and continue going you know that that's, yeah that's just like i don't want to do that time. again just, <laughs> well i mean that part we were never i'm still afraid in cars and stuff but like i was never gonna stop yeah so that part was not like it wasn't we we're just like gonna go for it but um but so like that was one thing where people were like holy shit this music is so dark now but like i was just thinking about life and death you know so like i wasn't like so like through being cool is kind of like about like this young it's a young kid who's like you know he's like it, there's a lot of love songs on there and then like songs about being angsty and stuff there's really not that much one of like, the sweetest lyrics in rock and roll and I, I i again i was telling my my wife was like who are you talking to i was like You're talking to a dude from saves today and i i mentioned there, there's a line where you say uh, i'm having a bad day and i miss my mom <laughs> yeah it is just so sweet i love that it, it, i love that line like my friend lloyd has that tattooed on him oh because so, we both are mama's boys yeah yeah um like so like i i love that i love that line the funny thing too is like i was just so honest in the lyrics like it took me a long time to realize like holy shit people are like reading this stuff and like analyzing the lyrics and like saying things like he misses his mom you know i'm like oh shit like, you I, miss didn't your mom. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize <laughs> like yeah i do like sure i do you know like i don't really give it i don't care yeah but good pe for you pe yeah people are funny you know like about like my thing with when anytime people like criticize 
musicians. I'm like, where's your album? Yeah, write, write your record. Let uh, me let me hear let me hear your album, and I'll be the judge of that. I'm I'm right there with you, man. I, <laughs> yeah, this podcast is the only artistic thing I've ever done. And when I started, kind of like, you know, I hit a hundred down. I hundred downloads. That was even a thing. You know, I got a hundred a hundred people listen to this. And, but you figure of those hundred people, 25 people of uh, those people don't like what you're doing and 25 don't care. You know, if you can hit a couple oh, people, yeah, you can't please, you it, can't it, please all the people all the time. And the thing is you please yourself, you know, you do what makes yeah, you happy. If you miss it your mom and you want to write that, you write it and you live. That. I wish, I yeah. wish critics, I wish critics would just shut the hell up. Well, there's <laughs> a, but critics are people who can't, well, not always. They're, you the, know. One, they're the people yeah. that send the dishes back at the restaurant. Yeah. Well, also, but I, mean, I, I, I get it because I, I read reviews. That's how I found your record. I read a review. You know, I read a no, good, yeah. I, I read a good review. You know, yeah, and, and, I get it. I've never, I just always been like, the, if you have nothing nice to say, I mean, that's not, I mean, well, outwardly, you know, like with close friends, it's totally fine to be like, that record blows. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. Like, it, it's, but it, it, you also can learn from when people say, uh, say genuine things. If you're going to criticize Scotch a Good Conversation, tell me. I know I talk over my guests sometimes. I'm working <laughs> on it. I, I know I talk about myself too much. I'm working on it. If you don't like it, don't listen. That that's all I can say. Yeah, or, or start really your own damn podcast. Like, yeah, I don't want to hear like their criticisms. Like, and if they're going to criticize it, I'm like, I want to hear what you do first, so I can know if like I take your opinion seriously or not. Exactly. I, I'll listen to you I, if if you think I, you know I'm. This is a work in progress. It, it's I am. Hopefully, the next one will be better. You know, and if I don't yeah. learn, like I, I'm not gaining anything. I'm like, I'm definitely a little bit like stubborn about it. Like, I really don't give a shit. Like, people, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I'm really going to do exactly what I want to do. See, part of me is, is I don't give a shit. And part of me is I just want people to love me. I just want. <laughs> I like that. I honestly appreciate that. Like, I can't, sometimes I wish that I had more of that in me because like I could have cracked the code and been like extremely successful but like that's not what i'm doing it for yeah, but, but i pre i really appreciate that about people like a lot of my friends were like they had like a hit record and then they like kind of figure out what that formula is and then they just keep doing it you know and like those dudes sold way more records dudes and dudettes sold way more records than saves that, the day that's but like a at the one in a million shot you know and that doesn't happen I, I i said to you earlier there were probably kids in your high school who who looked up to you and wanted to be you because you, you, you know, I'm sure there was bands in high school well, that I don't, played. I don't think, I don't think in high school, but, <laughs> but or but, I, I, there's, po later, there's later. podcasts, there's no, there's more podcasts than there are stars at this point, you know? And, and right. I, I'm, I'm aware that this little thing that I, you know, I started in my spare bedroom. I started this as just cause I wanted a, a chance to talk to my friends. That's a, I think it's dope, man. It, and like, I really, I got the sense from that, like listening to the Brian Baker one and now talking with you now, that you really have passion, like a, you're passionate about it. And I'm, I'm such a supporter of people that like follow their passion, and, you know? And I, I really believe that it goes, it goes somewhere. Even if it's like, like say it's the day is a band where like we didn't sell a million records, but we influenced so many absolutely. bands. And yeah. so, so even even if it was like we played a show and there's five people there, like one person was like, holy shit, I got to start a band like that band might have gone on to become My Chemical Romance. That's the coolest thing in the world, you know? And, yeah. And if, if the other people walk away, that it's not 
it's not for them. And if no one likes yeah, it, I don't as long as you like people, it. I don't mind at all if people don't like it. Like, my favorite guy is Paul McCartney. Like, I don't love every single Paul McCartney record. Or but they're not all good. Paul, <laughs> Paul McCartney. <Yeah. laughs> I don't love every single Paul McCartney song or whatever, but, like, you know, so I get that, like, as a music lover, yeah. like, I don't love I don't love everything that comes out. So, like, I never, I don't take that personally at all. I think it's just, like, I don't really understand the impulse to be, like, mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's that's kind of the thing where I'm just, like, okay, cool. Like, I I have all those conversations with, like, my bandmates or, like, if we're making a record with, like, Steve Evitz or, like, Rob Schnaff. Like, I love talking about, like, what's working in this song and, like, what should we, like, focus on? Um, like, I love that kind of conversation i remember rob schnaff he's this amazing producer like i really respect the shit out of him he said something that was incredibly important to me at one one stage where he was like talking about this thing where i think it's socrates is like asked by one of these olympic athletes who was uh wanted to be the best shot putter Mm -hmm. um like all he goes like all these people are making fun of me for how big my calf muscles are when I go to the bath. Like they're laughing at how big my calf muscles are. But like my coach says like, I need to work on my calf muscles to be really good at shot put. And Socrates just goes, um, who knows more about shot put your coach mm-hmm. or the people making fun of you. And like right away when Rob said that it clicked and I was like, Oh, I fully get that. So like, I really respect his opinion. Yep. And like, I don't give a shit about someone that doesn't know how to be good at shot put. And ultimately, so to speak. Also, ultimately, who knows more about you than you? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for and, sure. And and if I do, like, I like I like trying to get better at my craft. But like, that's those are the people that I would listen to, like people whose opinions I I respect. All right, here is a commercial. Injured on the go. Just call Mo. La Femme du Fromage, Orlando's Cheese Shop. Three ways to get food. Curbside pickup, 407-571-9947. They will run out to your car. You can go in their shop at the East End Market at 3201 Kareen Drive in beautiful Audubon Park. Or you can have it delivered via the East End Market app. There's no reason to be hungry. La Femme du Fromage is Orlando's Cheese Shop. Tell them you heard about them on Scotch and Good Conversation. Good manners make people happy. And good table manners make eating together a happy time. We are thankful for our home and our happy meal. We are glad we have good table manners. And know what to do with a napkin. And how to use a spoon in eating soup easily without noise. Dinner and good conversation. It's like scotch and good conversation, only we talk with our mouths full of food. Available anywhere you find podcast or dagcpodcast.com. We are back. Um, 
Uh, full disclosure, Chris and I just talked for five minutes and I forgot to hit record. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you think after 200 whatever episodes, I, I would remember to hit that big giant red button that that. It, and it was it was it's we were, we had solved the riddle. Of we the had really figured too, all so. the shit out. But, uh, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> uh, quest, yes, question number you. five for you. Uh, what did your parents call you when they were mad at you? Christopher. Christopher. Well, see, I, I I got your name now, and it's Christopher Lang. Is that Lang? Christopher. Christopher Lane. Lane. I see. I Lang. I I have it down at Christopher Lang. I think that's what it says on your. Uh, my uh, yeah, like my yeah. insta my Instagram is Chris Lane Conley, but that's only because you can't fit Christopher Lane Conley in there. Are you I mad kinda, at yourself? Why? Why do you go by Christopher I, or Chris? I kind of. I go by Chris. Okay. I don't. I don't like the way Chris Lane sounds. Like I don't identify with that at all. Like Christopher Lane Conley is definitely like that. Feels like me. So like my YouTube is uh, YouTube.com/slash C/slash Christopher Lane Conley. Mm-hmm. But like all the. But like on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, they don't let you have like a long enough handle for me to squeeze in those extra couple letters. But uh, I wish they did. I like Chris. I like the ring of Christopher Lane Conley. It does sound cool. You sound like a like a lawyer or. Um, uh, I, my parents are yeah. both judges. Yeah, I, I think I'd read that someplace. Are, are mom yeah. and dad around? Are they still there? Are they they? They're uh, still around. Are they I mean, proud of you? In... You talk to them. You call your mommy. Yeah, yeah. You, you a good boy? Yeah, they're. <laughs> I'm, I'm a good boy. My okay. mom, when she retired uh, from being a judge, my daughter was like a couple of years old. So she and I'm an only child. So we kind of needed like help around like ra- with raising a kid. It's a lot of effort, you know? So like, we were like, Hey, do you want to be, it was always so awesome when she'd come visit. And we're like, do you want to come just like be full-time grandma? That's and cool. that worked out great. She, she probably loves it too. She, she probably, she does. Yeah. She does. And like, we're really close. So it's nice to be close and stuff. And like, so she, uh, she also rode horses for a long time. So she had like a farm. She has a farm here and she, she would ride and, uh, she's like, she was like pretty psyched, you know, like it wasn't, she didn't have a ton of like friends back East. Um, she was like really insanely, uh, like obsessed with her job, like always working. That's the way a judge should be good. That's what I need. That's that's yeah. She was the, she was the head of the uh, appellate division in New Jersey, which is like, there's the appeals. So there's like the three like tiers of the just justice system there's like the uh whatever it called like the su- superior court mm-hmm. and then if you don't like what happens there you can appeal your decision and like take it to the appellate division Oof. so like my mom was the head of the appellate division in new jersey and then above that is the supreme court but when i was a kid i'd always ask her like um mom why aren't you supreme court justice and she'd <laughs> say well to do that you have to be political and she only wanted to do the right thing. Oh, like, like, we need her to do that. <laughs> she, oh, that she's she, the best. She, like, so that's what we need. <laughs> when she made the switch to be grandma, they like really begged her not to leave. Oh, how how could you <laughs> yeah. how could you beg somebody not to be grandma? Like, like yeah, that, I that's, know, exactly. But but that also says she's good at her job and she fair. The, yeah, and, she was and extremely awesome. That's sweet. She's a yeah, total badass. My mom, yeah, I totally. I come from the like basically like a whole family of lawyers and judges and stuff. So that's my name. Is I, I bet they kind of hoped I would. It's a good lawyer name. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm Peter James Arthur Von Taborski. 
That so, sounds sick. Yeah, that's well, like a little. That's like a haiku. It's a little bit too long. <laughs> Even on my driver's <laughs> license, it just says Peter James von Taborski. Uh, because it, I like it, man. It, it sounds good. Yeah, well, it's not a great name for radio or for podcasting, but I, I kind of think it's funny. funny. Like I, I, I think. Putting all, all on my business card like it is funny. And actually, my my business card now. I don't even people use business cards. I got them because I'm old. Uh, my it just says Peter, but my, my I think it's I think it's a really interesting name actually. Well, I found when I was in sales, I had them put my whole name on it, like Peter James Arthur von Taborski, because I, I gave somebody my card and somebody would always look at my name and start asking, and that was a chance for me to talk to them. And they also mm. felt more vested and involved in me that I would share something. It was all just a sales trick. Uh, nice. <laughs> no, no, I was I was a terrible salesperson. The other one was yeah. your money. <laughs> Question number uh, five, six, seven, eight, twelve. Something I don't know. This is the second to last one. Uh, when you think of of Superman, do you think of him as a as a virgin? Oh my God! I've never once thought of that I know. in my life. I mean, that guy's got to be having fun with Lois. You think so? See, I, I didn't. We didn't, my wife and I talked about this. Hell a bit. Yeah. yeah, Lois is so rad. She is. She is kind of a like a fifties hottie, He's isn't a, she? Yeah, and oh smart. God, she yeah. works for a newspaper. Yeah, I mean, I'd be all over that. And he's a man of steel. You know, wasn't <laughs> but, got, but wasn't she with Jimmy Olsen? Wasn't that the thing? I could be or, wrong. Yeah, maybe, maybe or like Jimmy Olsen was way into her, but she was way into uh, Clark and Superman. I guess. I see. My wife and I both got Virgin vibe off Superman. Really? Yeah, like we, that's super funny. We we both went we both went virgin. I bet he's a freak though. <laughs> he does have a lot of muscles. He's gonna shoot <laughs> lasers out of his eyes. See, know? see, I'm thinking more. He could just make. He could get the job done just by looking at Lois. Uh, I'm <laughs> ew. <laughs> so we started thinking about. Alice seems pretty dope. We we also started thinking about other superheroes. So are these superheroes virgins? Uh, Aquaman. No, definitely not. Okay. Um, the Wonder Twins. Are you familiar with the Wonder Twins? I'm going deep on this no. one. Okay. No. The, the Wonder Twins were part of the super friends versus the super villains. And on Saturday mornings in the 70s, you're younger, uh, they used to have the Supermans versus the super friends versus the super villains, the Laugh Olympics. And the super villains would always cheat, but the super friends would come out triumphant. Uh, they're they are virgins. They're very young. At least I hope they're. Although they they they're, definitely virgins. They but they were a pair. They were like, but I think they might have been brothers and sisters. I don't know. I'm not. I don't remember. Uh, the Green Lantern. Do you think he's a virgin? Yikes. Okay. Um, Silver Surfer. I <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Green Lantern's definitely like he's not getting any play. Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer. I don't know. I think things get weird on his home planet. It's got to get weird. See, I, I also I, I thought he's a surfer, and they're generally cool. And girls like 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 well, surfers. That's kind of what it's all about. Too. I, I, mean, I think so. It's like Beyonce. Beyonce's song, the surfboard song. I I I think we we got not a virgin. Uh, Captain America. Well, I think like before he was Captain America, he you know must have had those those teenage experiences he's a good looking dude too and america but also you, when you think of the captain america he's very pure and virtuous and everything you know he would wouldn't he wait till marriage yeah he it, feels kind of boring yeah you know? he's, like my, in he's terms of what in terms of what's going on in the bedroom yeah he's he's I'm one of my try, he's I'm one of my trying to hang out with that guy he's one of my least favorite a uh, deadpool that's a new one i'm only familiar with oh, him deadpool obviously is yeah. like uh, he's like he's he's definitely getting the job yeah i done. thought he was slaying oh. it also uh, all kinds of ways. Uh, Batman. 
Well, Batman and Robin are definitely hooking up. I see. That was my next one. And also Batman is just a normal dude and he's a millionaire and he's a playboy. Right, right. I, mean, I think yeah, he, that, he, that's, he bats for, he yeah. bats for both teams, pun intended. That, <laughs> I hope so. Good for him. I, I think if you're going to be a millionaire and have like a, like a mansion with the Wayne Manor, you might as well just go all out and just orgies, just go everything. Question number seven for you. That's what I would do if I was Batman. <laughs> in case you're wondering question number seven for you who do you know that i don't know who should come on the podcast uh that should come on the podcast um you should have matt Pryor from the get up kids on that'd be nice can you call him and ask if he'll be see this is where i put it all in your hands see this is yeah, my trick for sure, dude. Yeah, get yeah, matt on sure. i had a god i can't remember the name uh the dude from the anniversary yeah, the Get Up Kids and the Anniversary were like the they were like a t- brother and sister band. I, I had what's what's the lead singer's name? I had him on a couple weeks ago. Now I'm flaking. Burwanger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh, Josh. I had him yeah. on a couple weeks ago, and he suggested. I love that guy. Yeah, he he's uh he's over in Kansas, I think. He, yeah, uh, he, he. I I like him immensely. He, we follow each he's, other on Instagram. He's, he's a, funny. He's a great. He's a great dude. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he so he suggested Matt. Yeah, and so there you go. Get in his and ear. I I'd appreciate it. Um, yes, I will. Remind the kids where we can find your music and your Patreon and anything else you want to plug right now. Yeah, well, so there's SavesTheDay.com. There's, I think, SavesTheDay.com slash Merch Direct is where you get our merch, something like that. Uh, Patreon.com slash SavesTheDay. We've got a Saves the Day Facebook. We've got Saves the Day Instagram. I am Chris Lane Conley on Instagram and Twitter. I don't do it as much as I should, but I'm trying to get better at that. And my YouTube channel like I said a couple times, youtube.com slash C slash Christopher Lane Conley. And uh, I post like some like just like like acoustic uh, performances on there, but also post quarantine, I've been going live on my YouTube channel and just like hanging out with people as I work cool. in the studio. So I'll have like my computer next to me and like people will be chatting with me as I'm streaming live what I'm doing. And that's been really, really fun. So come I think I out. actually sat and watched one of those. I, I, Neat. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah, kind of creeping in the background, trying to get, get some I've information. Doing that, on, on, doing that on Instagram as well. It's that's, really fun. That's why I found the hoodie thing. So amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I hope you had a good time. Oh, Peter is a blast, man. This is a good conversation. Give me one second. I'm going to do my little pluggy thing here. Uh, Patreon.com slash scotch and good conversation. Naked pictures, videos. There's a picture of me in drag in high school that just I put up a couple days ago. That's kind of funny. And anything I make over there a couple bucks you slide me a couple bucks every month and uh, i keep the lights on I, I can feed my family i don't get evicted so you know do what do what you can uh i got a facebook group uh scotch good conversationalist i would love for you to join it's fun like we, we kick questions around it's like this only on facebook and uh it, join that and you can find out what's going on uh instagram twitter whatever give me a call 407-446-4955 please use my sponsors Actually, I think I forgot to uh, talk about one of my sponsors, the <laughs> the Nocon Robinson. I don't know how I forgot of that. Uh, go over there and grab something. They are over in the Milk District, and they're a bar, and normally they would be serving liquor and whatnot to you every night with live music and bands and stuff like that. And in the middle of coronavirus, they're not allowed to be open, but they are serve- They are selling beer and selling wine and selling their merch, and it's super like it, I, I went by a couple days ago and uh, got some beer from them and, and man, they're on top of the clean thing. Like they're, that's so cool. Well, I talked to uh, Matt, my buddy, Matt, who owns the place. And he said, if we get sick, we have to close. Yeah. And then right. we lose the bar. 
So yeah. uh, they're doing they're taking their, it seriously. They're doing their best to make sure you don't get sick, to make sure they don't get sick. And That's you, great. you can get lots of independent local local uh, beers and stuff like that. And you might pay like a buck or two more, but it's going to someplace local here in town. And if we can save our local independent businesses, it is a win for everybody. You guys, um, it's come up. Coronavirus is out there. I need you to wear a mask. I need you to wash your hands. I need you guys to take care of it yourselves. Uh, uh, we talked about earlier, go outside. Climb a tree, pet dogs, ride bikes. Remember to breathe. Oh, thank, thank dog for God. <laughs> Remember to breathe, kids. PFT Media Production.